Hey, hey, welcome back to the Mastering Mindfulness Institute podcast. We are kicking off a new season and we're coming out strong, going deeper and deeper. Last season, we had a lot of huge awarenesses going deeper into like, why do we do what we do? A lot of it was me talking (laughs) and I'm really excited to bring on some incredible thought leaders. And today I have Jamie Sabat. And she, her company is Distill and Express. She also does conscious parenting coaching. She's incredible. She's an author, a mentor, and she really takes a very unique approach that we have never actually talked about on this podcast before, which is ancestral healing. And how do we shift our mindset to break through some of these illusions and these beliefs that we have? And today we're going to talk about when we have these things that are on the surface and we're stuck, whether it's in our health or our work or what we're capable of, and we're kind of stuck at these surface level things, how do we really go deeper and see what we cannot see to break through and actually explore so much more possibility than we even realized was there? So I'm so excited for this incredible interview today. Jamie, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much, Tina. So good to have you. So, oh, it froze for one second. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm just so excited to be here and feel so grateful to be connected and introduced to you because we just share so much in common of all of our conversations about mindset and exactly what you said about how we start to see things on our surface level in our lives that might be triggers, that might be habits, and we're able to recognize those things. And I feel like same for you, clients come to me when they recognize things that they don't like happening in their life. And they're like, I'm ready to work through this. I'm ready to figure this out. I want to, I want to find another way to live my life rather than what I'm doing. Who are those people that you usually see who are like, what, what are they experiencing when they're ready to like go deeper and peel back those layers? Yeah. So I really find that people are conscious. So they're aware that they keep making the same mistakes or patterns in their life and, or they're triggered by something. They're triggered by someone at work that got a raise that they didn't get or someone else that's like in their field and they haven't gotten any noteworthy notoriety. So they're upset by that. They're triggered by that. They know that they're capable of more. They have a calling. And when they heed that call, they come to me and they're like, Jamie, I see you showing up online. I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing with your women's group. Show me the way, like help me, guide me. I love that because I think that I always think that that is how my clients find me is not when they sought out, you know, dietitian who does this and that and mindful eating. It's like, they get this tiny little inner whisper of like, wait a second, there's something I haven't seen yet. There's something more I have to learn. And then I just end up like this next little breadcrumb on their path. And they're like, wait a minute. And then they just keep following that breadcrumb. And I think that you're very much the same way with people who are just really starting to open up their awareness And that happens a lot with our food, right? Because once we finally stop setting, when we set aside those foods, we've always been eating that we're like, wait a second, this isn't serving me anymore. The sugar is not serving me anymore or certain, not that we can't eat sugar, you know, guys know that, but like when we finally decide to honor ourselves and our bodies, and then we set it aside, then we're sitting with all the things, all those triggers that we maybe were able to ignore with food or certain behaviors and habits. And now it all comes up. And so I notice in particular, 
sometimes the very beginning of when I work with clients is the hardest because they're feeling and experiencing all these triggers, but they don't have clarity on why is it happening? What does it mean? Where does it come from? Right. And I feel like they're looking for tools. So you have a feeling, right? You're like being triggered by something, something's upsetting you. You know that there's more out there. You know that there's no more information. And as you said, you're like the next breadcrumb or the person on their path to enlightenment that's there for them. And so I feel like when you have that feeling or like an itch that there's something more to learn, there's something that you're seeking that's outside of yourself and you know it's there. It's like looking for a guide to support you you know that there's a deeper layer to it, but what is it? And having the tools, I mean, prior to my um, healthy existence, I feel like I have right now, I worked in the fashion industry. I lived in London. I lived in Paris. I lived in New York and I did not have the tools. Mm. I was burning the candle at both ends on a plane to Melbourne. <laughs> like not just like, oh, I'm going to Paris, but like Melbourne, Rio Fashion Week, all over the world. And I didn't have the tools, Gina. I didn't have the tools to regulate my nervous system. I didn't have the tools to eat properly. I didn't have the tools to consciously focus on my mind or to drink less or what, you know, all of the beautiful tools that I have now. And now that I'm further on my path, people can see the journey and they're drawn to it. I have a lot of clients that are super curious, a lot of moms that want to parent consciously because you and I both were living that life. We're yeah. not saying, oh, do these things. It's like, no, I, the answers are inside of you. I'm just living that life and you can see it. And the client wants to get the tools and learn the process. Yeah. So in your experience, when you went from this crazy fashion world, traveling all over the place, didn't have the tools, how did you cross that threshold? Was there like a defining moment and experience or was it just a building over time? What, what was that like? Yeah. It's so funny. Cause it was like, almost like I was living dual lives. Like I had started doing yoga at the age of 10, like before it was cool to do yoga. And like, I became Buddhist and like vegetarian and vegan and like all of these things. So it was like, I was living this double life where I was like partying in the nightclub, like with Puffy all night. But then I was like doing yoga, but I was kind of doing it in the closet, like in a way. And like, so I had like this, you know, kind of dual lives. So I knew that there was always something there, but for me, I had like a near death experience. So unfortunately I had a tough uh, birth with my son, my first child in New York city. So I was like, you know, living it up and all of that kind of stuff. And then when I had the birth, I mean, most people say when they become a mom or you, you know, move into parenthood, you have an experience, but mine was a near death experience. So, and that's what my book is about. That's coming out. But it was like, I thought that I was going to die. And then James was in the NICU for a week mm. and I had to leave the hospital with an empty car seat. So these type of, I mean, and that's what I try to help my clients avoid is some sort of traumatic experience because I know what it's like to live through it of, you know, what is my life going to be like when I leave this planet, like very real and very close in my life. So for me, that was my experience. And I, you know, hope and pray for others that when they have an awakening, that it's just a moment of clarity or they meet the right person along that journey. I want to be that person for them. I hope they can read my book. I hope they can listen to this podcast. I hope they can see one of my reels and a light bulb go, goes off in their head. But for me, it was a very traumatic experience. So you had this tr really traumatic experience and what came next? What was the breadcrumb for you that started giving you some healing around that? 
Yeah. And so unfortunately I did not heed my own words that I would currently give to someone. I did not go to therapy. I just kind of like pushed through Gina and uh, moved from New York city to DC. I felt like that would be healing to be around my family in a more calm environment, but it wasn't until my second pregnancy, which was like two and a half years later that I was like, I'm not going to, I'm terrified of giving birth again, number one, I'm not going to relive this. And I made a determination that I was gonna do a natural birth. And that's when I found essential oils. That's when I found Reiki. And mm. that's like when my journey began was like, when I opened my first bottle of essential oils, I was like, there's a universe, <laughs> here we are. Wow. So yeah. what are your healing modalities? Like what are the most important healing modalities to you? Oh, wow. You know, and it's so great. I'm so glad that you asked that question because I feel like, yes, you can go and get Reiki. Yes, you can use essential oils. Yes, you can hire a coach and do really powerful mindset tools like hypnosis and things like that. But some of the things that we can do are free. Mm -hmm. Like, Walking in nature, let me tell you when it was COVID and I was homeschooling my kids, I made sure every single day we went for a walk. If it was 30 degrees, we put our hats on our club, like 30 minutes to get like dressed. And we did a play day because I was like, I want them to have social interaction. We need to get outside. So going for a walk, being in nature, hugging a tree, I know yeah. it sounds crazy, but that journaling, yeah. visualization and meditation drinking water, like just, if you can do those basic things of like managing your diet, focusing on exercise, those things will take you a long way. Obviously mm -hmm. mindset tools are great and love subliminals and binaural beats and, and all these things that I use on a daily basis now, but like the basics guys, like take care of yourself, drink water, get sleep, yeah. One of my dear friends that I'm doing this mindful drinking festival with in January was saying, he's like, I just, if I get a good night's sleep, my energy and the way I can interact with other humans, it dramatically changes. So taking care of myself has been a huge step yeah. in stepping into my power and being in my worth and in my value of like caring for myself. Yes. You know, throughout the year, this year, I've worked with three different coaches. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad that you shared all that because I'm so aligned with your philosophy. And I think sometimes it's easy to say, oh, yeah, I know, sleep, you know, get outside. And, and everyone wants to jump to, like, tell me what supplement I need to take or tell me the latest and greatest healing modality. And these things can all help. But these are like the big dominoes that if you're not doing these things, your body can't heal. I think getting enough sleep is like probably the most effective tool in my client's tool belt. So if you're not sleeping, you're not going to have a good attitude. You're going to be tired the next day. You're going to be looking for more food. Um, so I, I really appreciate that you have all these incredible tools in your tool belt. And yet you still are like, Hey, don't forget how incredibly powerful and important these foundational things are that we know that we should be doing, but a lot of people are completely missing. Well, and Gina, I love your point about the sleeping because I think one of the things that we do in America, I mean, I've had the privilege of living in Europe and traveling abroad a lot, is that we're looking for a quick fix. Give me the supplement. I want to lose 20 pounds. I want to get the diabetes injection. I want to do this. I want to do that. Right. Slow down. Slow down. Let's put the bricks. Let's build the foundation. Let's really do it. And I think that's, you know, 
it healing is not a quick fix. Let's talk about that. It's not a quick fix. It's like, we yep. have to deprogram. Yep. We have to change our, we've got to change the lens at which we're looking at the world. Like, let's start there. <laughs> and instead of just like, I'm going to take a pill and I'm just going to be magically amazing. It's like, yeah. we have to start with the basics. Okay. So let's say people are getting these day-to-day triggers and they're like, I don't know what's happening to me. I'm just, maybe I'm not happy or I feel like something is missing. And these are things that people commonly will say to me, like, it just feels like there's something's not right. What do they do to start going deeper? How do they figure out what is influencing these day-to-day triggers? Yeah. Well, I love that question because that's where, you know, that's where we are. That's people, listeners right now, they're like, okay, I'm launching this podcast. Like I'm feeling these triggers. I don't really know. We have to go to the root cause all of these, you know, going on a diet or or all of those sorts of things. It's the type of thing that when we go to the root and we go and look at our ancestors, look at our lineage, do the healing work, like really look back and do the research and start with ourselves. That's where it begins. When you can find the um, antithesis, like the story of whatever limiting belief it is that you might have, I'm not good enough. I'm lazy. I'm not a completer. I'm not good with money. I'm not good with food. It's all, you know what I mean? You and I both know it's all the same, but Starting with that, so in my particular, in my program, I use astrology because astrology is a a map of your life. I use human design as well, but a map of your life, like when you took your first breath, that moment in time is unique to you. Hmm. So looking at that, it's an ancient wisdom that we have, an ancient tool to start there. And I give my clients what I call the Bible of their life. So it's unique to them. It's not some you know, like, um, tool or technology that I'm using on them. I'm like, who are you? Where did you come from? Let's start from the very, very, very beginning. And what are those stories? And then when we can start there, we can uncover where did the problem of like maybe overeating or over drinking or whatever it might be, where did that come from? And mm. that's what I think a lot of people don't realize. They they want to go on a diet or they want a quick visit. It's like, you can do that a million times in your life, but it's always going to come back until you go to the root. You yeah. have to go to the root. One of my favorite books that I always talk about is The Presence Process. And he says that extreme dieting and exercise programs are fiddling with effects. All you're doing is just fiddling, wasting time just on the surface. And and if you really want to heal your body and why you have gotten off track or overeating, you have to go to the root. And I just think it's so beautiful. Most people are out there dieting, just staying busy, just staying busy with fiddling with effects, never truly getting the relief that they want. So what is that Um, what might that look like then? Let's say you're like, okay, maybe my ancestry, maybe there's ancestors or things that are influencing why I'm drinking or eating or doing whatever I'm doing. How do you make that connection? What, what could that look like? Yes. I love that. So starting with the, looking at your astrology, there's different house systems and the planets line up in different houses. I won't go into detail, but there's one quadrant, which is family. And so I'm able to see in each of my clients, what's going in that family, the fourth house, where did you come from? All of that kind of stuff. So then 
once we start working together, a lot more comes out when we start working in the fourth house and I'm able to uncover, is it there is some sort of issue on the lineage on your father's side or on your mother's side? Where are we looking at issues for? And then when we're able to go down the lineage, I use a powerful mind technique called time techniques. So when we're looking at our life as a timeline, we can go forward and we can implant a goal of you losing 20 pounds or whatever it might be where you're like, oh, this is great. I'm in Miami. I look awesome. But we can go back and we can okay. go back through high school, middle school, elementary school. But what we're where we really want to focus is in the age of zero to seven, the subconscious mind, where most clients can find something there. Or if you've been doing this type of work and you can go back deeper, we can go back to the womb. We can go back to past lives and we can go back into ancestral. And so that method, which is my favorite tool to use time techniques is when we start to really uncover. And we know it's not a story of, oh, I'm over drinking, I'm overeating, I'm overspending. It's a story of unworthiness or not feeling loved or wherever. And when we find that, we can actually go five minutes before the incident of that story created and change the story. It's like back to the future. Beautiful. It's so beautiful. I think that people don't realize like, well, why, why would I go to the womb? Why would I go to zero to seven? I think people don't realize that those are the times that's programming our mind to figuring out is the world safe? Am I okay? And so uh, what I realized for myself when, when I had a lot of triggers around food and when I really gave myself permission to start tapping into what felt like truth without judgment, without needing to figure it out, what I started noticing was like, wow, for some reason, I don't feel safe. I feel very anxious and I don't feel safe. And I'm like, in my mind, wanted to judge it and be like, but you are safe. You live in this place. You have locks on the doors. You have food. You have security. You are safe. But for some reason, my body was feeling not safe. When I gave myself permission to go back and explore it deeper, I could actually connect to like my birth trauma and these moments of when I actually it maybe between zero to seven, or maybe before that started feeling these energetic threads of being not safe. And I don't think I would have ever healed my relationship to food without going back to those experiences and kind of retraining my mind through that. So just mm. for anyone who's listening, who's like, what does zero to seven or being in the womb have to do with how I'm eating now? I don't know if, if there's anything else that you want to add to that. Yeah. I mean, it has everything to do, right? to do with that. It's interesting because a lot of, when we're walking around, people will say, well, I'm not going to take my kids to Disney when they're four because they won't remember it. And I'm like, actually, that's the time where they're going to remember everything. They're going to remember that you took a great them point. And what it's like, and they're so going to be that, filled with awe and wonder. Their mind is going to be primed and developed for joy. That's why I want to take my children to Burning Man. I want them to see a world without phones and technology and without commerce and money and just imagination like that. This is the age to take them so that they can experience that because the age of zero to seven, people have to understand that we're imprinting onto our children, which is why I'm obsessed with, um, with conscious parenting, because we're literally taking ourselves, our being, our ancestry and imprinting it onto our children. Like that's what we're doing. That's why they say children are sponges. They're, they have no conscious mind. They're in theta brainwave state where they're just absorbing everything. So for them, they're creating their world based on a mirror of us, right? So when people talk about the matrix and they think it's something outside of them, there's the um, 
the Mr. Smith and all that stuff. I'm like, yeah. no, it's inside of us. That's what the matrix is. It's a, a story that we've created based on that age period. So it's, it's really the crux of the work that I do. And I just am here to share it with more people so that they fully understand um, the story that we're creating for our children and the life that you're creating for them, right? Would, we're creating a new world. How would you say that ancestors play a role? Is it their, is it in their DNA? Is it just how we do things? Is it that, is it that maybe I would want to drink because my mom always drank because my grandma always drank or like, how does, how does the ancestry line actually play a role in, in, and in your work? Well, it's, it's a both it's epigenetics, right? Mm -hmm. So it's being like the genes are being literally imprinted on them. And I'm a, a product of my mom and dad and like my children are my mom and dad, then my husband's, you know, my ex-husband's mom and dad. I mean, it's so much. So there's epigenetics, but then there's also environmental, right? Which is why I, I am a um, conscious drinker as well. I don't drink alcohol. And if my children come to me at dinner time and they say, mama, what is that? Blah, 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 with the lime in it. Can I taste it? Sure. You absolutely can. There's yeah. no, so that's one of the reasons why I stopped drinking as well. But so it's both, it's the genes being passed down and it's the environment. So if you saw your mother drinking heavily or something like that, that is what you're looking at in the world of like, that's the way we live our lives. Or like a lot of people their drinking issues start in college. That's how you're cool. So mm. one of the things that I teach my children is you're worthy no matter what, mm. no matter what you're wearing, no matter what substances, no matter what it is, you're worthy. And so for me, because my parents, let's say, I mean, they're wonderful, and lovely, weren't as conscious with their parenting. Wow. It's starting with me. Like I'm the one to break the lineage of any ancestral patterns, right? Because they weren't conscious of that. My mother, my grandmother, they're just like, you get married and you raise children and let's go send them to college and do the best you can. Whereas conscious parents, we're stepping in and saying, no, I will not live that the, the past life I am consciously parenting them and and working on myself to mm. eliminating these beliefs and who knows why they drink they had some unworthiness to shoot back 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 but what are we gonna do we don't know why that started we're just gonna release it wow that's so beautiful like I have goosebumps right now like I can't imagine if parents started that parenting and I know a lot of my clients would be really feeling this right now that what if this was really instilled in me that you are enough, no matter what choices you make. And because something that is really common, I think among a lot of my clients is that they're going out with friends they're going to social things they're going to work things they're going to events. And one of the things that they always say is like, well, I'm not going to be the only one not eating the thing or not drinking the thing. And I get, and I totally get it. And there's no judgment at all, but I feel that they are not honoring what they really want in their bodies because I, there's that fear of, I won't fit in, or I might be judged and I can't be the one to be the odd person out. But what if we really did? I never considered this. Like, what if you felt really whole and you felt that you were fully enough? Would that change how you honor yourself or the decisions that you make? And where does that come from? Where did that come from, from their parents? Like, Wow. I, and I love what you said, using that word honoring, 
because that is one of the things that I learned working with my coach, Emily, who's in Costa Rica, who's going to be there with you. Oh, cool. Is that manifestation. It's not about the thing that we want, like the thinner body or the house or whatever it is you're trying to create. It's about you having value in yourself to line up with the timeline of that thing that you're trying to create. So every time we say no to something that's out of alignment with the thing that we want, so like a cheese crepe or whatever it might be, it's like, no, I'm not doing that right now because that's not in alignment with my goals. When you say no to that, you're, the universe is like, good. You're in alignment with the thing that you said that you were gonna do. You yes. are the leader of your own life. It brings you more of those things or over drinking or overspending or whatever it might be, or with a relationship. Every time the partner does something that's out of alignment with where you want to be and you just give into it, you are out of alignment. So the universe just continues to send more of that. So with your clients, and I think nowadays with people being gluten-free and vegan and all of those things, it's powerful actually. Mm -hmm. Like I do it with drinking because I don't drink. I go to all these social functions and I'm like, oh, I'm not I'll have, what is that? I'll have a drink, no alcohol, yeah. please, something sour, make me something and step into it and be yes. like, this is me in my full power and in my worthiness of who I am and how I'm protecting my body. Heck yeah. I, I can relate to that so much because it's so easy that when we want to start changing and then all of a sudden we become a victim to the change and we're embarrassed and oh, I don't want to inconvenience anyone. But then you start like getting high on that feeling of being powerful in your yes and your no and what you're doing and doing it with conviction. Like Raj and I tried being gluten-free for like a year and it was like, we kind of did. And then we'd go out to a restaurant and we'd be like, Oh, we don't want to stir the pot. We don't want to ask for things and whatever. And then one day we're like, man, we've been like one foot in, one foot out for like a year. Are we going to do this or not? And why are we doing it? And we made a decision and that was probably like eight to 10 months ago. And we have stood powerfully in our, in our no, when it comes to gluten, because we don't think it's good for our bodies. And we're like, wow, we went from this, like, oh, kind of victim-y, like, oh, like this, I'm kind of in, kind of out to like really having conviction around being a hard no. And we're like, wow, we feel so empowered. We feel like badasses. Like we never would have thought that being so convicted and just saying no makes us feel so good about ourselves. I it, love that you said that. Yeah, it makes you feel so good because I mean, when I was at Burning Man, actually I learned, because I had a lot of friends that are gluten-free and I you know, dabbled with it, but didn't really understand. It's so great for the aging process. Gluten and inflammation is impacting your mind, which is one of the things that causes Alzheimer's. Right. So it's like when you powerfully know that and understand what it's doing to your body and your brain, you're like, how do you possibly eat this thing? Yeah. Like, no, I'm not doing it. And I think when we come with that lightness and play, like what I love is that you bring so much vibrancy and energy and joy to healing that it's just like, wait a second. And you can laugh and you can feel powerful. Like the healing process doesn't have to be like this. You're broken, fix it. You can't have this. It's like, it truly can be full of joy and play and laughter of like, oh my gosh, this doesn't make sense. Why would I do that? I freaking love my body. I want to take care of my body. I freaking love this body. Right. You know, like I'm, I have small kids, so I, there's a lot of birthday parties where it's pizza and cake, whatever. And tonight I'm having our eighth annual cookie party. I'm having people over. I have ordered from Domino's 
gluten-free vegan pizza. You know why? Because some people might want that. I prefer that. And I'm offering that to people as an education as well of like, taste the gluten-free, how does it taste? And providing that in an option. So I don't know if other, you know, all the other parents find me to be strange or what it is, but I powerfully step in to honoring myself, yeah. honoring my body. And I see the results from it. I mm. see the results of caring for myself, of meditating in the morning versus not. I think that that's what a good coach can really do to elevate somebody too, is not like, oh, you have to do this or you have to do that. But being that mirror to remind them, what are the choices that you're making and choose it with conviction and not just to let life happen to you, but to be that mirror to say, what are the choices are you making and how do we continue to elevate you into what not is right and wrong, but feels more authentic to who you are. Right. Authenticity. And that's the thing we have to remember Science, I'm going to drop some science knowledge, but Please we do. are one in 400 trillion different from one another. Oh my gosh. As human beings. Like that's how I've never heard that before. Are. That's why when my clients are like imposters, I'm like, no, you're, you're so unique. Someone's going to be drawn to your message. That's how we unique we are. So if I want my pizza different from the way you want <laughs> pizza or my drink different that's fine because that's how different we are from one another. Right. It's all good. All are welcome. And then when you start to embrace that uniqueness, now other people are inspired by the way that you take care of yourself. And then everyone feels safe to be themselves and heal together. And now it's not like, oh, this embarrassing, weird thing. It's like, no, we all take care of ourselves in our own unique ways. I'm gluten-free. I'm the vegan one. I'm the whatever one, you know? Yes. Yeah. One of my friends, she's in Bali right now. Actually, she like wrote a thing where she like came out of the closet. She's like, I'm not eating other people's food when they invite me to their house. I'm coming out. I'm vegan. And it's, you know, let's <laughs> celebrate that. Of Why should she go to someone's house and eat the fish or eat whatever it is to appease the other person when that's not in her value system? So yeah, I it takes courage. It, yeah. Every, uh, but I think let's normalize that. Yeah. Of everyone when we're at events or when we're eating out or we're with friends and they say not to make a comment like oh you're not drinking or like oh god she's so complicated with the vegan and like this she doesn't want those on her plate or whatever honor everyone and support them in their choices that they make you know it's like we're all unique let us be who we are totally so I want to go into this idea of conscious drinking because uh, a lot of the people who I work with are are wanting to shift maybe their drinking habits or they don't really know what to do about it. And I kind of leave it to them of just how does your body feel? What do you, what are the, what do you want to do? Um, tell me about conscious drinking. Like, what does that mean? What's your philosophy on that? Yeah. Well, it just kind of came to me in a way, Gina, like for me, it was like, I just, my daughter was a baby and I just couldn't be hungover anymore. So I was like, I'm done. Um, and I had also just finished my Reiki mastership where I started learning about energy and shifting energy. And then all the things that we put in our body to shift our energy. Like that's one of the, I mean, the taste of alcohol, but one of the reasons why you're drinking it is to get a shift, right? A relaxation or whatever it might be just like with sugar, just like with caffeine, we don't talk about these things, but they're all as an energy shifting entity as well, right? So for me, it's about 
being connected to your energy and like, how does that make you feel exactly what you're saying, being mindful. So I actually think we're moving to a trend more where like in old movies, when we see people smoking a cigarette, cause it made them look cool or make them look chic. We're going to start to see that with drinking. We're going to see fewer, fewer movies with people drinking alcohol and doing these rage parties and things like that. It just will be more of a trend because people are focused on their health now. So sleeping better fewer calories health is finally becoming cool health is becoming cool not like you know so just those two things alone let's not even i don't even need to get into this discussion about what it does to you spiritually or mentally or whatever but sleeping which is what we talked about earlier what alcohol does to impact your sleep what it does you know to impact the calories you know so right it depending on where you are on your journey. But for me, it was just very much being mindful of what was happening to my body, what I was doing to my body. How did I want to care for my body with many other dietary changes that I've made as well. So I feel like a lot of people now will say that they're sober curious or um, mindful drinkers where they might have one glass of their favorite rosé, champagne or whatever it is because they love that. And then they'll have another glass of non-alcoholic. Right. And the thing is, the industry has shifted so much. It's 400% more products on the market than wow. one year ago. Like wow. 400%. The alternatives, you're saying. Alternatives. Yeah. So in the NA space, there's Athletic Brew, which, you know, is a non-alcohol beer. You can get it in Whole Foods. So it just shows the trend of it and how many more products there are in the market. Like I had a sparkling champagne the other night that's bottled by Tattinger from France that literally you cannot taste the difference. Like there's just no way it tastes so good. So there's really great products or spiritless, which is another one, which is a bourbon, Kentucky bourbon. You cannot, you can make yourself an old fashioned and not tell the difference in the taste. So I like what you said. I really like what you said too, about like, why are we drinking? And it's maybe it's to, to take the edge off or we want to feel like we want to change our state. And I think that it's so hard when we come at our habits from this place of like, I have to force you away. My coach told me so, or you can't do this. And then it's like, then that raging teenager comes out of us. It wants what we can't have. And we're, we're actually left with the discomfort. But when we can actually ask that question of like, well, what is the experience I'm trying to get from this now? It's like that, that behavior tends to like naturally fall away on its own. And I've never really been like a big drinker, but I do remember like if I'd be going out to like a social thing or a dinner or whatever, I loved having like a drink or two just to have a little fun, lighten up. It was very playful. And I still don't think there's anything wrong with that. But what I noticed is the more that I'm in my body and I call my nervous system, the more alcohol doesn't feel good to my body. And I just, I really don't even want it hardly ever anymore. And it just naturally shifted that habit where before I think I was more disconnected from my body. My nervous system was Mm. more triggered and it felt more pleasurable. And now that I'm like in my body, super connected to it, I can feel what feels good to it and what doesn't. It just naturally shifted it without having to like fight away a craving for it. Right. And I think one of the things to understand to your point is why are you drinking? And a lot of, I just recently went to like a mini reunion in New York with some of my friends and um, we were talking about drinking approach social anxiety. 
Yeah. So if you're drinking because you're anxious or nervous about the environment or what people think, and you're trying to numb that feeling, mm-hmm. that's a very different feeling than like, I'm drinking a glass of champagne because I'm celebrating that my book just came out. Mm. Those are two different levels of excitement. Yeah. One's like very, very joyous to one is like, I'm in high anxiety and your yeah. body, when it takes, I, I think when it takes in food, caffeine, sugar, alcohol, it's, you're ingesting it and it's metabolizing your body too, also based on your emotions. Oh yeah. So I feel like alcohol affects you differently depending on where your mindset is as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's incredible. Yeah. Wow. So So how would you say that when people are feeling stuck, you mentioned to me that about beliefs, I know you do a lot of mindset work and belief work. Where does our own mind play a role in a way that like, we can't see it. We think that it's real. We think that it's true, but we don't see this like invisible layer. That's kind of keeping us trapped to where we're at. And it feels so real, right? Like how do we find these mindset blocks and what do we do with that? Mm. Well, it's interesting because a belief is just a thought that we keep thinking. So Mm. the more you think that thought, the more you believe it, does it make it real or not? And I play this game with my clients where it's like, they're like, oh, and I'm just like, I'm unworthy or whatever it is. And I'm like, didn't you just get an award at work? Didn't you just get a promotion? Didn't you just get a raise? Like, where is this thought coming from? So as a coach, and you know this from your work, you can see your client through a fresh set of eyes. Mm. They don't see themselves that way because they're living out the story of their life. They're living out the story that was implanted in them from the age of zero to seven, which also comes from the lineage and the ancestry of their family. So these beliefs, are they real or are they not? So typical, uh, this is a typical one of you have to work hard for money. Well, this is a belief because actually, if you look at, the world, you know, Jeff Bezos is on a yacht, like, you know, he's, or Richard Branson has 300 companies, 300. Is he working hard or is he working smart? He's really good at hiring people is what he's good at. Because every time I see him, he's receiving an award or on a yacht somewhere. (laughs) And if you look at like garbage men, they're working really hard, but they might not make a lot of money. So that's a belief. That's not a fact. So that's a lot of the work that I do with my clients is discerning what's absolute fact, like the sun coming up tomorrow, and what's a belief, what's Mm. just a thought that you keep thinking that's not real, but just a belief that you have. And so when we're able to start digging into these deeper layers of understanding that we also, we have a monkey mind, we have a monkey mind that wants to keep us safe. So we're built for comfort, not for joy. And when we start to understand that, when we're built for comfort, our body, I mean, this is why Wim Hof is so good. Our body wants to stay comfortable. Oh, it's too cold outside. I don't want to jump in the ice cold plunge. I don't, I don't want to feel the pain, right? Yeah. We want to stay in the comfort zone. And that happens in our mind as, as well as our body mm. of like, well, I can just stay at this job or I can stay at this weight or I can keep doing what my parents told me was the right thing. It's all the same thing of being in that comfort zone and our monkey mind is going to want to keep us there or our ego or whatever you want to call it reptilian brain because when we would move away from the herd it was unsafe we might die in the wilderness when we were cave people so it wants to keep us in this safe zone and our beliefs 
will continue to be the thoughts that we think of like what is safe and we have to bust through those. Yeah. And I think that right there is also it where a coach is worth its weight in gold, where they can help you see what you're experiencing is keeping you limited, but it's all actually just an illusion. And what we don't realize is like, whether it's our work or whether our own happiness or our health, whatever it is, it's not about whether you can do it or not. It's, can you see that your limitations are these safety mechanisms to break through and get out of your own way? This is you versus your mind and your beliefs that were created when you were young. And that's all it is. And that's where a coach can really help you bust through those safety mechanisms that might feel so real. Mm -hmm. And that's why I tell my clients that your mind is a computer and your body is a robot. So I highly, highly believe in understanding that there's files in there. There's beliefs or files and you can just delete. Yeah, that's not needed. Yeah, how many of you have not... Yeah, it's no longer serving you. I'm going to get rid of that belief. And also somatic work. Um, the body, the body keeps the score, right? We've read that book or seen that book. It's in the body. So I like to do a combination of both things where it's like programming in the mind, trauma from the programming stuck in the body, release, 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 get rid of it. Because that's how, that's, that's the only way for us to make a change, you know, to will it like, I'm going to go on this diet. It's like, no, we have to get in the body. We've got to release it. We've got to get into our computer and delete the files. Yeah. I think people don't realize they have that, that power. Like how many of us have, have kept the same files <laughs> for the last 30 years that we just don't need anymore. They're outdated upgrade right. systems. <laughs> right. And generational. And unfortunately, you know, we, I, we do live in a world where this is new to new work, right? What we're doing, what we're talking about on this podcast, the work that you do, this is new for people to understand how powerful they are and how they're actually in control and nothing's happening to them. Right. So, you know, that I feel like um, in 2020, um, I feel like Time Magazine called it the, great res- the year of the great resignation, but I'm calling it the year of the great awakening. Mm-hmm. This was technically they said the planet was healing and like the planet actually shift like 0.0001 degrees or what I don't even know, but like it jolted people out of this sleep state. So more and more people are waking up of like, what is real? What is an illusion? Is my mind creating it? What, you know, what is actually real? And they're questioning it, but this is still new for a lot of people to understand that they're in control of their destiny and their coworker isn't doing it to them or their boss or whatever, like you're creating it, the good and the bad. Yeah. Incredible. Very beautifully put. I think there's a lot of wisdom in everything you just talked about. Um, you're writing a book. Is it out yet? It's not out yet. It's not out yet. I'm very excited about it. Thank you for bringing that up. It's going to be released on Amazon January 25th. Everyone buy a copy, even like the electronic copies, I think are like a dollar. And if you write a review, it helps me and the other women in the project move up the ranks. Um, so unless Michelle Obama <laughs> another one. self-help book on that day, hopefully we can do well. Wow. So, what is it called? What's it about? Tell me about Deserts it. Deserts to Mountaintops. Mm-hmm. And it's a book about moving from our darkest places to our lightest places and rediscovering our voice. Wow. That's so beautiful. I know that's the transition that 
a lot of people out there are going through. That's so beautiful. So January 25th, it's out, you said. Yes, January 25th. Everyone go to Amazon. I'm so excited. That's amazing. I'll definitely put um, the link in there as soon as you have it. I'll share it uh, with everybody too. So, and what is your work like? You work with people, you're a coach, you mentor people and you have women's groups. What are all the things, ways that people can interact with you? High vibe women, female entrepreneurs getting together and really supporting each other's businesses in a real way because most women starting a business within their second year are out of their, out of business. Mm -hmm. So it's really a group to support women. But in my coaching, I'm focused on conscious parenting. So I coach one-on-one. I also do partnership coaching. I do co-parenting. So if you're divorced and you're working with a partner Mm -hmm. and then my group, which is what I'm so passionate about, it's called Mind Garden and it's parents coming together. So it's an eight week coaching program, but then also a community Mm -hmm. where you can connect with other parents like this that are talking about conscious, being conscious, wanting to break the lineage of their ancestral patterns, wanting, being very involved in their children's lives. And it's just so beautiful to see because when we cultivate the next generation, that's what we're doing when we pour into our children. We're creating a new society, right? We're creating a new world. Like my children are alpha generation. So I don't, you're probably Gen Z generation. Um, but my children are alpha. What do This is exciting. What do we want that generation to look like? What do we want our society to be like? When it was um, Black Lives Matter movement here in DC, I live in DC. Everyone's like, Jamie, you're an Aquarius. Why are you protesting? And I'm like, my job to change the world is here with these children. Mm. These children that I'm homeschooling right now, that is how I'm going to change the world. No, nothing against the protesting. Go for it. I love you. But for me, that's where I need to be is cultivating the next generation. Amazing. That's beautiful. Is there any, I mean, that's, that's like mic drop right there. I think we could wrap up now, but I want to offer the opportunity that is there any other pieces of wisdom or anything that you would like to leave anyone with? Yeah, I just love supporting people on this journey. As I said, 2020 was this great awakening. So I am here for those that are waking up of with open arms saying, you're, you're looking for the light, you're, you need guidance, you need support, everything is inside of you, but I'm here as a mentor and as a guide to assist you into finding your own path to being that unique being and finding what really brings you joy. So I love it. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom. You guys, if Jamie is resonating with you, check out her book. I'm sure it's going to be extraordinary when it comes out January 25th, when that link is available, I'll put the link here in the show notes, or feel free to shoot me a message. Let me know what really landed with you. You can send me a DM on Instagram. Uh, I know you're on Instagram. You've got a killer Instagram too. How can people find you? Yeah. So I'm Distilling Express. So you can find me. I'm mostly on Instagram and also on LinkedIn. So if you want to find me there to find some of my work. Awesome. I'll put all your links there for everyone if they want to connect with you. Thank you so much, Jamie. I just appreciate what an incredible, positive, bright light you are, an incredible mentor and coach. It feels very infectious. And, you know, there's there's sometimes the rare special ones. And I, I really feel that from you. So thank you for being here and just pouring your heart and your wisdom into this one hour. Thank you. And thank you for having me. 
All right, you guys, I will catch you next week. Talk to you soon.